0: As pastor, I'd like to say thank you for coming. we have got so many guests here, especially for the students of our school that sing tonight. Thank you so much for coming. It's an honor for us to have you with us, and we're just so thankful that you came on this very special night. Tonight, I like to look at Scripture where we are admonished to remember the Lord. You know, we have a tendency to forget the God. We have a tendency to go our own way and do our own thing and leave God out of our lives and here in this passage, God is admonishing his people to remember him. And so I like the title of the message tonight, Lest We Forget. Lest we forget. We want to begin with a warning not to forget. A warning not to forget. If you would look again, if you would please, and down there in verse seven. We read this together, but notice again in verse seven. By the way, has everybody got a handout for tonight for notes? If you did not get one, raise your hand. And Brother Phil, will bring that to you. Hand out you fill in the blanks from the what's on the screen. We pay Phil by how many things he hands out. So help him out here. <laughs> and <clears throat> make sure you get one of those. Look again in verse 7 of our scripture of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, Fear the Lord. It said, For the Lord bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of the, the hills thou mayest dig brass. But in verse 10 it says here, When thou hast eaten and art full, thou shalt bless the Lord thy God, for the good land which he giveth thee. But notice what it says in verse 11. He says, beware. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes wherein I have commanded thee. Now, the question is, what would cause God's people to forget the Lord? Over and over again, he says, forget not the Lord thy God. Let me give you a couple of things. Two things mentioned here that would cause God's people to forget the Lord. The first one is prosperity. Prosperity have you found that when you are in need and you 're struggling and have a difficulty of providing things for your family and things that you need that you pray more, but many times when we have all we need don 't have any needs we need to talk to God about sometimes we forget God. I believe that's the reason America is where we 're at now. My friend God has blessed our country we 've seen the blessing of God and how we 've prospered as a country, but our country has turned us back on god we forgot God in the midst of our prosperity. Prosperity can cause us to forget God. Look in verse 12, please. Back in fact, verse 11 again, it says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Verse 12, Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast multiplied. So in the midst of multiplication, when we prosper, we have everything we need, that's when we have a tendency to forget God. In fact, hold your finger right here. Go to chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, please. We're coming back to chapter 8. Go to chapter 6. He mentions the same thing. In the midst of prosperity, is when we have a tendency to forget the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this time in verse 10, please. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and give thee a great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, verse 12, what's he saying? Then beware, why? Lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from house of bondage. So the first thing that would cause God's people to forget him is prosperity. When everything's going well, we get all we need. Sometimes we forget about the Lord. The second thing mentioned here that calls people to forget God is pride. Is pride. Look in verse 14. In fact, we saw there in verse 13 when thy herds is multiplied, when your gold and silver is multiplied, verse 14, it says, then thy heart be what? Lift it up. And thou forget the Lord thy God. Pride can cause us to forget God. We begin to think all the good things we got. My hands provided this. I'm the one who accomplished this and did this. And pride sets in and calls us to forget God. And notice here, pride calls us, first of all, to forget God's deliverance. He says in the latter part of verse 14, And thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. God's deliverance and salvation from bondage, they forgot all about because of pride. Next, verse 15, not only forget God's deliverance, forget God's guidance. Verse 15, said, Who led thee through a great and terrible wilderness? Verse 16, they forgot God's provision. They forgot his deliverance, his guidance, and his provision. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not. So basically, because of prosperity, because of pride, God's people forgot all about the Lord. They forgot his deliverance, how he delivered them from bondage, their guidance through the wilderness, and also his provision throughout the whole thing. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe a Christian, a born-again child of God today can forget God? I was asking, Pastor, do you think a Christian today, now this is talking about Israel and the Old Testament, can a believer today forget God? And my answer to that is not mentally, but practically, practically they can. You know, when you were saved as a Christian, one thing we have today that did not have in the Old Testament, we have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Today, the believer, when he trusts Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God indwells him and takes up permanent residence in him. So we have the indwelling in the Spirit of God. They didn't have that in Moses' time. But also, we have the completed Word of God. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. We have God's Word complete, both in Old and New Testament, and yet, it is easy for Christians not to forget God mentally. I don't believe we can do that because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. You have the new nature developed in you by the Holy Spirit. But I believe we can forget Him practically. We get so busy doing our own thing we leave God out. Though we know deep down inside He exists, we know Him as Savior, we've trusted Him to take us to heaven, but we forget Him in everyday life because of prosperity and because of pride. So let me give you some, that's the causes, prosperity and pride. Let me give the consequences now. The consequences of forgetting God. First of all, taking credit for what God has done. We begin to take credit for what God has done. Notice again, verse verse 16. We saw saw they forgot God's deliverance, verse 14. God's guidance, verse 15. God's provision, verse 16. Now, verse 17, here they begin to take credit for what God's done. In verse 17, and thou say in thy heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. My friend, that's when a person forgets. That's the consequences of forgetting God. We take credit for what God's done. We know deep down inside, God provided this. He's the one who brought that to gave that to us. Yet we take the credit. And we, but he goes on to verse, in verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. I've met many Christians that sometimes believe that everything they have, they got. They said, it's my intelligence. It's my hard work. It's what I've done while I have my home. I have my car, have my bank account. They take all the credit for that. But they forget about who gave you the power to do that. Who gave you the intelligence to do what you do? Who gave you the ability to work where you're at? God did. And so, and when one of the consequences of forgetting God because of prosperity and pride, we take the credit. Look what I've done. And look what I've provided. And in verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. It is he that giveth thee wealth. The second consequence, of forgetting God, is you begin to establish other gods in your life. You establish other gods in your life. Look in verse 19, please. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. Now, do we in America serve other gods? I remember some time ago, my wife and I went to visit a missionary over in Myanmar, Burma. We went to a big, called a pagoda, a big temple where they worshipped Buddha. And we walked throughout, throughout that, and we saw people bowing down and worshipping these big statues of Buddha. I never saw that before. I saw it in pictures, but actually these people that bow down and worship this statue, a big fat Buddha. And they're bowing down and worshipping this individual. And so, yes, they do. But how in America? Do we worship other gods? And the answer is yes. What are the gods of America? Let me give you four of them. Four of them. Let me give them quickly, then I'll go back. Fame, fortune, power, and pleasure. People want to be famous. People want to be popular. And how many Christians sacrifice their testimonies to be accepted by their peers, be popular among their friends? Many teenagers do that. They get around in the wrong crowd, do things they know is wrong, so they want to be popular and be famous among their peers. Fame is one of the gods of America. Another one is fortune, money. How many people today serve money? How many they sacrifice going to church and things for the Lord because they're trying to make the almighty dollar? So fortune is the second god of America. The third one is power. They want to have a position of power and the job. How many Christians today have sacrificed testimony and basically... Stepped all over the people to get a position at work and put other people down so they might be lifted up because of they want power. And the last one, fame, fortune, power, and the last one is pleasure. Pleasure. Boy, think about all the things people do who find pleasure today. Some things are not wrong, but some things are outright sinful. But that's become a God of America. And so, basically, when a people, a person, or nation forgets God... They take the credit for what God has done, and they begin to establish other gods in our life. The third and last consequence of forgetting God is experiencing God's chastisement. Experiencing God's chastisement, he says there in verse 19, the latter part, and he says, "And I testify against you that this day that you shall surely perish, as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face." so shall ye perish because you have not been obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Now, he's speaking to Israel here as a nation. Now, as Christians, the Bible says we will never perish. I love John 10, 28. He says, and I give unto you eternal life, and you shall never perish. there shall a man pluck you out of my hand. But however, we can experience God's chastisement. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receives. So as a Christian... You get so caught up in your prosperity and your pride says, look what I've got. Look what my hands have got me. And you begin to forget the Lord. You take credit for what God has done. And you begin to establish the gods of this world of fame, fortune, power, and pleasure. My friend, you can expect God's chastisement. But however, God's chastisement is never hell. Jesus suffered that for us. But God does chasten his children. Now, so we saw the cause The consequences, lastly, we'll close with this. Now the cure, or may I use how not to forget God. What's the cure to keep us from forgetting God? Let me give you a couple of them. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here he tells us how not to forget God. Though we are living in a nation that was founded upon God's principles, Christian principles, how our nation has now turned this back on God, and it was in the midst of prosperity that that's happened. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, please. Again, he's speaking to Israel, but there's principles here we can learn from this. Deuteronomy six, verse four, he says, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God is one Lord." And the first thing he does to say, not enable you not to forget God, first of all, is to make God a priority. Make God a priority in your life. Verse 5, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. What is the greatest commandment? Remember, the, this person, a described came to Jesus Christ. He says, Christ, what is the greatest commandment? He said, Master. And what is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That speaks of a wholehearted commitment. What that verse means, you need to put God number one in your life. Make every other person, every other situation in your life back burner and put God on the front burner. That's what it means. So you won't forget, a cure of not forgetting God is making him a priority in your life. Is God a priority in your life? Here's two ways of doing that. Number one, we see in verse six, by internalizing God's word. By internalizing God's Word. In verse 6, he says, goes on to say, and these words which I commanded thee this day shall be where? In thy heart. That is accomplished through memorization and meditation of God's Word. How often do you read the Bible? How often do you meditate upon the Bible? How often do you memorize Scripture? The way we can make God a priority in our life is by internalizing, memorizing, meditating his word, that his word shall be in thy heart. Psalm 119, verse 11, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against God. So the first way of making God a priority is by internalizing God's word. Number two is by imparting God's word to your children. By internalizing God's word in your heart, but also imparting God's word to to your children. Look in verse 7, please. How do we do that? In verse 7, we do it diligently. That thou shalt teach them, your children, diligently, talking about God's word, diligently into thy children. You know what I found? The best way to remember God's word is teach it. Whose responsibility is it to teach your children? As parents here, who does God say is responsible? Is it Latinx Christian School? No. Is it the church? No. It's you. You are responsible to teach your children God's word. Now, the school is there to partner with you to help you and do the job God's called you to do. And the church comes alongside you and does the same thing too. But if they didn't have a Christian school and have a church, how would your children learn the Bible? Hopefully that you're teaching them. But that means you need to know the Bible. If you're going to teach it, you've got to know it yourself. So the best way to internalize God's word in you is to learn it for yourself and then teach it to your children. Teach it diligently, then it goes on to say, at every opportunity. It goes on to say in verse 7. And that it says, Shout, talk of them, talking about God's word, when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. At every opportunity. In other words, parents, Every opportunity you have, you ought to teach God's word. Every situation in life they go through, as you're driving down the road, and you see a person breaking the speed limit, good opportunity. God says that we obey the authority over us. That means the, the policeman. There's an opportunity to teach them God's word. Every opportunity, you see a kid that's really misbehaving. How often do you see that? You ought to use that. Look, the Bible says children obey your parents. Use the opportunity to teach your children. But teach them, when you're sitting down, when you're walking, when you're lying down, rising up, every opportunity, impart God's word to your children. So the way not to forget God, number one, make him a priority, and number two, or letter B, is to establish reminders. Because we're so prone to forget God. There's a hymn, I won't sing it for you, I don't want you to leave. But one of the stanzas is this, Lord, uh, goes on to say, I'm prone to wonder how I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We all have that in us. There is a, such a proneness in us to go our own way and leave God out. We've got to purposely remember him and establish reminders. Let me give you two ways. I'll mention right here. First of all, establish a reminder on your person. In verse 8, and thou shalt bind them, talking about God's word, for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be frontlets between their eyes. Now, the Jews took this literally. Many of you heard what they call profactories. Prefactor, Basically, what it is, is a, they put a, when they pray, the Jewish males will take a leather strap with a box on their forehead, and the box contains scripture in it. They also take a leather strap and wrap around their fingers all the way up to their elbow, about that, with a box of scripture in it. They do that when they pray. They take it literally. It says that bind them as a sign upon thy hand, and fronts between their eyes. So I'm not sure the best way to do that, us today, but we ought to do things. You ever seen someone put a string on their finger not to forget something? Or they put a rubber band around the wrist? We ought to do things on us personally to help us not forget God, to remember his word on our person, but also it says, on your property. Look in verse 9. Thou shalt write them, to about God's word, upon the post of thy house, and, and upon my gates. Again, the Jews do that. Literally, they put things right on their doorposts so they walk in the house of Scripture there. Um, do you ever put Scripture around your house? Maybe you put uh, pictures on the wall of writing a Scripture. Someone once said, if being a Christian was against the law, would there be enough evidence in your house to convict you? And they said again, if being a Christian was against the law, is there enough evidence in your house to convict you of being a Christian. When someone goes in your house, they see Bibles laying around. They see scripture on the walls. They see pictures of things about Christ. These are ways that cause us to remember him because we're so prone to forget. So establish reminders on your person, on your property, and lastly, and we'll close with this, in the church. In the church. Let's see how well you know the Bible. Especially as a Baptist church, we have what we call two church ordinances. And one of the ordinances we have was given to us so that we might remember what Christ did for us. What is that ordinance? Communion, the Lord's Supper. I mean, read this to you. The Lord's Supper was given to the church so that we might remember what Christ has done for us because we are so prone to forget. Here's what it says, and we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said, I have received of the Lord, which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Verse 25, after the same manner, he also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do is all for you drinking in remembrance of me. So God gave an ordinance to a church, to the church. It's called the Lord's Supper of Communion so that you might forget remember what God's done for us. So Christian, I think you'd be honest, all of us have a tendency to forget. We get so busy in everyday life responsible responsibility for the family, sometimes we leave God out of our lives. And that's not anything new. It happened in the Old Testament. It's happening today. So Christian, I would encourage you Make God a priority, and make his word, and internalize his word in your heart, teach it to your children, and put reminders around your house that who he is and all he's done for you. Close your Bibles, please. Look up here. Tonight I've been speaking to those of you that know Christ as Savior, and I trust that may be true of all of you, but chances are there may be someone here tonight that doesn't know how to go to heaven. So let me ask you a question. As a church, it's always my desire as a pastor that everyone who attends First Baptist Church will understand how to have eternal life. So I'd like to close with a question. If you were to die today or 10 years from today, do you know for certain you'd go to heaven? May I say it again? If you were to die today or 10 years from today, do you know absolutely certain, without a shadow of a doubt, that you'd go to heaven? Many of you would probably say yes. Some of you say, I hope so. Some of you say, I have no idea. (laughs) But God doesn't want you to go through life hoping or guessing or wondering. God says you can know that you have eternal life. Let me share with you how to do that. I want to share an illustration with you, and we'll close tonight. God wants you to go to heaven when you die. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to have forgiveness of sins. And by the way, it costs you nothing because Jesus paid the price for it on the cross. The Bible tells us very clearly that we're all sinners, no one's perfect. How many would admit that you're a sinner? Nobody's perfect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Just being honest, and the Bible says because we've sinned, the wages of sin is death. And that means because you have sinned, you've broken God's laws, commandments. You have earned judgment from a holy God, and the judgment for sin is death. And the word death means be separated from God forever in a place called hell. So we're all sinners, we all owe penalty. And number three, we cannot save ourselves. I have always heard as I grew up, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. And if I'm going to make it to heaven, I've got to be good. So people think that their good works, their good deeds will merit favor with God and earn salvation. My friend, nothing with good works, but it will not pay for your sin. The wages of sin is not good works. The wages of sin is what? Death. And by the way, no matter how good you try to be, you can never be good enough. Heaven's a perfect place, and you must be perfect to go there. And none of us are. We've all sinned, so we all owe a penalty. So I mean, we all have sinned. We all owe a penalty, and we cannot save ourselves. That's bad news. But here's the good news: the Bible says God commendeth, demonstrated His love toward us in that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. The penalty that you have earned for your sin, uh, sin because you're a sin. Jesus paid for on the cross. When Jesus died, you know who he died for? Me. He died for you. The penalty of sin that I owe to God, because I'm a sinner too. I owe a penalty. But Jesus paid that penalty for me. By the way, how many sins did he pay for? Did he pay for half, or most, or all? He paid for all. In fact, the last thing he said on the cross, it is finished. That's a banking term which means paid in full. Your sin debt of all you've done in the past or in the present and future was paid in full by Jesus Christ. He died for you. He was buried. He rose again. And guess what? Now he offers you forgiveness, eternal life, free at his expense. Because he paid the price. He finished the work. He said, I give it to you free. That God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, That whosoever, what? Believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word believe means to trust in, rely upon. Let me show you an illustration, and we'll close with this. Again, it's my desire as a pastor that no one will leave here without understanding this great truth. Let me close with this. Illustration I saw one time. When I first saw it, it really made sense to me and understand how to go to heaven. I don't know about you. I'm a visual learner. I see something. I understand it better. So look up here, visual illustration we like let this hand represent each one of us here today, and my wallet, let it represent sin. According to the Bible, how many of us are sinners? All of us. And here we are. Here's our sin. We all have sin on us. The Bible says that God loves us. I'm so glad. He loves sinners. He hates our sin. And to go to heaven, you have to be without sin. Not one sin will ever go to uh, because of sin. It separates us from God, and we cannot go to heaven with, with our sin. We must be perfect to go to heaven, but we're not. We all have sin. And the Bible says the wages of our sin is what? Death. Because we've sinned, if we pay for that, we have to die and go to hell to do it. But people today say, well, pastor, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm trying to do my best. So they think the good works they do will pay for the sin. So they say, well, I go to church and I read my Bible. I send my children to like Christian School I try to do all kinds of good works and help people in need, and I pile up a lot of good works, so and maybe I might have enough to get there one day. I find nothing on good works, but it does not get rid of your sin. It will not get you to heaven. But here's the good news. God says, I love, maybe your name is Bill, Bill Fold, okay? He says, Bill, I love you. but Bill, I hate your sin. Bill, I don't want you to pay for that, but going to hell. So Bill, I'll provide a substitute. And God loved you so much, he sent his son to this earth. Jesus Christ was the sinless son of God who never sinned, lived a perfect life. And when he died on the cross, you know what he died for? He died for you. But there on the cross, what he did, or before our sin separated from him, what he did, he took that sin off of us and upon himself. Though he knew no sin, he became sin for us. The Bible said he bore our sin as our body on the cross. And while hanging on the cross... God the Father punished him for what you've done wrong. He died for you, he was buried, he rose again. And the Bible said, if you, just the best you don't know how, would believe when he died, he died for you, and trust him as your Savior, that you would not perish, but you would have ever life. Please listen. Going to heaven is not obtained by trying, but by trusting. It's not gained by working, but by relying upon what Christ has done for you. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I encourage you to do that today. If you have, my friend, establish things in your life that keep you from forgetting God. Though I do not believe you ever could forget him mentally, but I believe you can practically. You get so caught up in everyday life of things with family and friends that God is left out. Almost like from outward appearance, there's no evidence of God in your life. Each one of us can do that if we're not careful. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, again tonight I was speaking to Christians, to believers, those that are God's people, how we've been warned of God not to forget him. And we saw that two things will cause us to forget God. As prosperity, the blessings of God can cause us to forget God, but also pride. We begin to take credit for what God's done. And thank you, it's our hands and our efforts that got what we have. And he said, remember that God provides you the power to even do that. So my friend, I would encourage you to realize that all of us can forget him, at least practically, leave him out of our lives. So I ask you to begin to establish priorities. Make God a priority. Put him first in your life. And you do that by internalizing God's word in your heart, by teaching God's word to your children, and establishing reminders in your home, in your personal life, that you will not forget God. But if you're here tonight and you never trusted Christ as Savior, that's the most important thing you can do. To realize the Bible clearly tells that we're all sinners. And because we've sinned, we've earned a judgment from God. But the good news is, God judged his son for what we've done wrong. When Jesus died, he died for you. He paid for your sin, was buried and rose again. And he offers you eternal life, free as a gift. Your part is to believe, to receive Christ as your Savior. And the Bible says the moment you do that, he will forgive you and give you eternal life. So my friend, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why not do it tonight? Let me write where you're at, in your own seat, where you're sitting, in your own thoughts. Talk to God and place your trust in Christ to be your Savior. His promise to you is eternal life. You say, Pastor, I like to do that. But I don't know what to say. Why not talk to God in your own thoughts and say something like this? Just say, to God of heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus, your son, was punished in my place. The judgment that I have earned, that I deserve, Jesus took upon himself. And I believe when he died on the cross, he died for me. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again, just like the Bible teaches. And right here tonight, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ to save me, to forgive me, and to give me eternal life. As heads are bowed, and eyes are closed. My friend, did you pray that prayer tonight? Did you trust Christ as your Savior here this evening? If you did, I'd like to know that. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to point you out. And one moment, for those who did that for the first time, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand so it indicates to me that you did that and that I might include you in my closing prayer. So with heads bowed and eyes are closed, and I'm going to look around, if what I said made sense to you, and tonight you prayed to receive Christ to be your Savior, it will allow me to include you in the closing prayer. As heads bowed and eyes are closed, just simply raise your hand and indicate you did that tonight. or at all. Pastor, here's my hand. I trust in Christ. Would you pray for me, please? Anyone at all here tonight? That made sense to me, Pastor. I trust in Christ as my Savior. All right, Father in heaven, I hope that means each one here has already done that, that heaven's are home, that they are Christians because of their faith in Christ. But Father, we saw clearly in your word, even though we know Christ as Savior, we can practically forget him in our lives. We can leave him out to such an extent there's little or no evidence of him in our everyday lives. So Father, help us to take the warning given to us scripture to put God's a priority and, and make his word a priority in our hearts, our lives, and our children. Fast in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.